Welcome, welcome out to Pikapi Podcast, your Pokemon anime podcast where we go through every single episode for a nerdy dissection. And we're here, ladies and gentlemen, Ash versus Gary, the epic showdown. It all starts now. Right now, we're in the middle of our holiday marathon, which is taking us to the very end of the Johto League. We're going to finish off the original series before the year is out. And right now, we are finally at Ash and Gary's second battle. They're only six on six, and they're having it in the championship rounds, the finals. I have many, many thoughts about this subject, and I have waited for like five and a half years to say them, so I'm, I'm so excited. Before we get into that, Peak Happy Podcast is brought to you by PokePress. For when you're not in the mood to put Ash and Gary's friendship, rivalry, nebulous existence under a microscope, when you want to talk about music and video games and all the other parts of the Pokemon franchise that are not really covered on this show, PokePress has journeyed across the land searching far and wide for interviews with people from all corners of the franchise. And just recently, they started their own podcast, uh, the PokePress Digest podcast. I'll have a link to them on my blog page, or you can find out more info at pokepress.blogspot.com. And as always, they're on YouTube at PokePress with all their videos and interviews and discussions and unboxing and news. Go check them out and explore a new region of Pokemon fandom. Right after you listen to this, of course, we're on episode 289, The Ties That Bind. And like I said, the duel of legend, Ash versus Gary, is about to begin. Or not. <laughs> Actually, the competitors are getting a day off to relax, and in the case of Ash and Gary just kind of stew in their tension. Um, so here's what happened. Last episode, we learned that Ash and Gary would be matched up for their first battle in the finals. And Gary was his, um, I would say usual self, but he's shown such remarkable self-improvement over the last little while. So I don't know what happened, but he's a jerk right now. And in this episode, he pulls half of a rusty old Pokeball out of his pocket and Ash remembers that Pokeball. The Pokeball from when they tied. And Brock and Misty are in the background like, huh? What is this backstory? I thought we knew everything about you, kid. Um, it's like you only fought Gary once that we're aware of, and you pretty much lost without any argument. What is this tie you speak of? But apparently there was a tie, and this Pokeball was part of it. But Gary doesn't look back on that with the same fondness that Ash seems to. In fact, to him, a tie with Ash is the same thing as losing. Because, you know, Ash is so pathetic. But Gary's going to set it all right again by destroying Ash in their match. 
So after this, Ash runs back to the hotel and digs through his backpack, like, stuff everywhere. You can see his rubber gloves from Mom and, like, fishing line, etc. Fun continuity stuff. He also has a spare shirt, uh, some crumpled up papers. I was hoping to catch a small bag that might hold a thunderstone, but I didn't catch it. Probably because Ash is still trying to hide that from Pikachu. <laughs> um, but then he pulls out a drawstring bag that is holding another very important object, the white half of a rusty old Pokeball. The first Pokeball he ever got. And Ash flashes back to his youth, a time on the riverbank, fishing, wearing a straw hat that I think he stole from his mom. He gets his butt kicked by a magic harp that did not want to be caught, um, and Gary sees the whole thing. The two boys banter, uh, Gary getting the better in the verbal sparring match, but Ash claims this is his secret spot. He's been coming here for a long time. It's not so secret, though, because Gary found it, too, and he says it's the best place to catch and play with Pokémon. Ash is like, the Pokémon will play with you here? Awesome! Like, really, Ash is so easily derailed from his anger and hurt feelings, like, all Gary had to do was not be a jerk for ten-minute intervals, and Ash would have been his BFF for life. Seriously, the bar was set so low. Remember Pikachu in the first, like, 10 or 20 episodes? Like, that guy became Ash's best friend. Like, Gary, this is how poorly you play the human interaction game. So, Gary goes on to insult the majesty that is Magikarp, um, and also insult Ash, um, gives him a pop quiz on Magikarp's attacks, which Ash fails, um, name drops the professor, like, Oh, have you read this book by my grandfather, the famous Professor Oak, your fan? I'm his grandson. <laughs> and then Gary throws down the gauntlet, like, You've been saying for years, you never know until you try, Pollyanna optimism. But you've been trying for years and never beat me once at anything, have you? So he's not just attacking Ash, but Ash's entire ethos and philosophy on life. Like, you suck, you have always sucked, and you will continue to suck until the end of time. There is no point believing in yourself. <laughs> um, but then both of their fishing rods snag on a pokeball in the water. And this is the chance, the chance for Gary to claim his destiny, because surely this is a sign from Poke Fate that he's going to be a Pokemon master. And for Ash, this is his chance to finally beat Gary at something. He's grasping onto straws, is Ash, but, uh, you know, when you got nothing. Um, anyway, Fate uh, does have a pretty sharp eye on little old Ash Ketchum, so. Neither boy will let go, and finally the Pokeball just snaps in half. And each boy picks up a piece in silence, like, we broke fate. <laughs> Gary is really upset by this. Like, really personally upset. And Ash is more like, well, we broke it, wanna call it a draw? <laughs> As you might have guessed by Gary's earlier comments, no. No, he does not want to call it a draw. Um, but the boys do have one thing in common. The half of a Pokeball has become an object of great significance, one that they each carry around to remind them of deep feelings. For Ash, it's a symbol of his hopes and dreams of becoming a Pokemon master. For Gary, he'll never tell us, but I think it's safe to say it was something more negative. Honestly, I worry about Gary sometimes. 
I think he needed more hugs in his life. But anyway, in the present, Ash muses that, yeah, he did lose a Pokemon battle to Gary once, but he knows why. He lacked experience, he wasn't ready, but he's come a long way and he knows he's capable of beating his rival now, and he's looking forward to the next match. And now he just has to keep that momentum going during the vacation day. <laughs> he can work on strategy. Meanwhile, Team Rocket can work on legitimate employment. They're capitalizing on capitalism like there's no tomorrow and doing pretty good at it, too. They have piles and piles of money. Team Rocket making it rain. With limited edition pins, collector sets, like they are going to market like they have never marketed before. I said Team Rocket needs to just run their own Etsy shop. But anyway, while they get ready for the next day, Ash, <laughs> um, Misty walks into the room the next morning to find that Ash has been on the internet all night, surfing the web and strategizing for his match, and then Brock is like buried in there somewhere under a pile of books. I love this scene so much. <laughs> Misty's just like, have you been online all night? And Ash doesn't even look away from the screen. He's like, yep. Brock's just laughing, like, I woke up at 6 a.m. and found him like this. <laughs> this was my entire college experience in one gif. I love it so, so much. Like, so many good scenes in Master Quest, but, like, especially with this Johto championship, like, there's just... The scenes are... There's so many good scenes. Like, even if you'd never seen an episode of Pokemon and you just walked into the room as this was playing... You know who these three characters are and all their relationships in like 30 seconds of dialogue, and it's awesome. It tells you so much and gives you so many details and, like, you know, also furthers the plot and everything like, oh, it's just so fun. And then, um, Ash crashing the computer. <laughs> that was also my college experience. And Brock's so nonchalant, like, you're just gonna have to reboot the computer again, Meanwhile, Ash is karate chopping the monitor, and Misty's like, you should have asked me for help. Like, like really, this scene is the best thing ever. Um, well, they all break for breakfast and discuss what they know about Gary. Um, and as a Pokemon trainer, <laughs> we know a lot of things about Gary. He has lots of different Pokemon. We remember this for a fact. In fact, he's, he's caught several of one kind. And he doesn't favor one type. His Pokemon are all at a fairly equal level, so Brock thinks Gary probably rotated them regularly. And that's when Ash chimes in, kind of subdued, he did. Not because Gary has said as much, or because Ash has seen for himself, but because Gary has always been that way. As long as Ash has known him, super smart, studious, works to master all aspects of a thing, does things in a methodical manner, by the book is balanced and doesn't overlook weaknesses when it comes to his pursuits. Like, in his personal life, the boy's a hot mess, but as a professional Pokémon trainer, Ash doesn't need data to confirm that, yeah, Gary learned everything he could, caught every Pokémon he could, trained them to be, you know, their best potential that he could, and didn't leave any weak links. He's gonna come with one solid team. And putting together a team to counter that is going to be tough. Ash thinks about it and looks to the sky for answers. 
And from the heavens is where the answers come. There is a large dragon up there, uh, preparing for flamethrower and sudden impact. Charizard. Brock made a phone call. Let him know the conference was going on, that there might be a rivalry battle. Um, and of course Charizard wanted to come out for that. Like, this is the sort of thing he lives for. So Charizard arrives, burns his trainer to a crisp, um, but Asha is so happy to see him. And then Gary walks into the scene, and we have the most loaded silence you've ever seen. <laughs> Stretches on for quite some time, and it doesn't get any better when they do start talking. It's like, morning, Ash. Good morning. And then suddenly, Sammy Oak, this calls for a poem. And Ash's mom, <laughs> they both came up for the victory tournament. Mom even dressed up all nice. The professor's advice is for the two boys to relax and let some of the tension go, or else they won't even be able to compete tomorrow, which does seem to help Gary a bit. That nice guy's smile even peeks out for a second. Where have you been the past three days, man? So, the professor upgrades the kids' Pokedexes. I don't think this is where they get the Hoenn upgrade. I think it's just new info from around Johto. But still cool, and the kids want to know, like, what new discoveries have been made? Any new Pokemon? And Gary gets all reflective. When his grandpa notices and comments on it, Gary suddenly says he's gotta go and excuses himself. Who knows what's up with him? I have a feeling Professor Oak suspects, but he doesn't say anything about it, and Ash decides to take his leave as well, like they've got to prepare for their matches. He says goodbye to his mom, who tells him she's proud. Oh, and then she and Professor Oak are left together to be all, our little babies are all grown up and fighting in the victory tournament, destroying each other. <laughs> um, well, the victory tournament begins the next day. Team Rocket has hauled in cash and is ready for another day of selling. Harrison wins his first six on six and is ready to move onwards. And Ash, he's reflective and a lot quieter than he usually is but so, so ready for this battle. You could say he's been waiting his whole life for this. And the moments before this battle are so loaded. For starters, Pikachu is not on Ash's team. And let me make this clear, it's a six-on-six six match. Pikachu is not on Ash's team. And that means for the first time, and if I'm not mistaken, the only time from the start to this year 2016, Pikachu is not a member of Ash's party. Imagine, if you will, just for a moment, how that conversation probably went down. This is the most important match of Ash's life, and Pikachu is not part of it. Pikachu is not only relegated to the sidelines, he isn't really allowed to be with Ash. If Ash got in a side battle on the way to the stadium, Pikachu wouldn't be allowed to help, because that would be illegal. He's not a registered member of Ash's party. That never happens. And Bulbapedia postulates that Ash had to send Pikachu's empty Pokeball to the PC or to the professor for this to even happen, um, but just because Pikachu's out of the ball doesn't mean Ash is allowed to have Seven on hand. Like, were they even allowed to enter into the stadium together? Like, 
Like, did they have to make it clear? Pikachu isn't mine right now. I'm not going to use him. He's not, he's just hanging with Brock and Misty. Like, that's got to be weird. And there are two reasons this strange scenario might have come to pass. One, that Pikachu isn't the best for the match. After all, it is the one Pokemon that Gary's fought personally, the one he's seen in action the most. But really, I don't think that's it. Like, because Pikachu is also the best player on Ash's team. Maybe Charizard could give him a run for his money, but he Ash needs his absolute best players to beat Gary. And while it's possible, I doubt that Ash drafted up his strategies and then realized that he'd come up with a plan that made Pikachu's skill set irrelevant. More likely, I think, Ash didn't want Pikachu to be part of this match. And so came up with a way to beat Gary without him. And my thoughts with that are this. Gary used to be Ash's best friend. They went to the movies together. They grew up together. They argued and fought and competed and admired, like almost like brothers. Of all the kids we hear about in Pallet Town, Ash and Gary are the only ones who are anything to each other. Gary was a huge chunk of Ash's little kid world. And then they fell apart. And then they left home. And now, Pikachu is Ash's new best friend. Pikachu is Ash's whole world. His highest priority. Like, to resurrect the running gag, it's like meeting with the ex. But more seriously, like, there was something here between Ash and Gary. A whole ten years of life that Pikachu wasn't a part of. And it was weird and personal and painful for Ash. And for Gary, too. I think Ash's motivations here might be a mixture, like, you know, there's a lot of reasons for not wanting to drag Pikachu into these issues and to not rub it in like, ooh, I got a new best friend, Gary, or not put Pikachu in the middle of those, you know, intense feelings. Like way back in one of the earlier episodes, I think Charmander's debut, Nurse Joyce said Pokemon should never be used to settle a personal conflict. And if Ash brought Pikachu into this match, it would be pretty hard to keep that a professional match. Pikachu doesn't deserve that. The rest of his team doesn't deserve that. Gary doesn't deserve that. And it could be that's a line Ash doesn't want to cross either. But there's also just the fact that Pikachu has no place here. He never has. The issues between Ash and Gary, even when Pikachu started showing, you know, more support for his friend, were issues Ash largely dealt with alone. If he talked through them with Pikachu off-screen, who knows, but, you know, when Gary shows up in a scene, Pikachu usually becomes the third wheel. And even that one time that Ash and Gary battled, it was Ash and Pikachu versus Eevee and Gary. Like, it was, you know, teamwork versus teamwork. Every other time, Pikachu just doesn't have a place in that conflict. Which is sad, because I would have liked to see Pikachu defend Ash verbally. But it never really happened. But while towards the end, Pikachu has started to get a little riled up and angry along with his trainer, Pikachu's never, you know, jumped off the shoulder and defended Ash to Gary. And part of that is Pikachu's evolution. Pikachu has been going through a massive character arc in his own right. 
one that towards the beginning of the series, Pikachu would not have had an inclination to defend its trainer. <laughs> and usually, you know, Pikachu would be agreeing with Gary and like, yeah, Ash is kind of stupid. And for that matter, Brock and Misty usually <laughs> took Gary's side too. Remember, these people were lousy friends at the beginning. But even as Ash and Pikachu became better friends and Pikachu would defend Ash, you know, against, say, Mewtwo and many others, when it comes to Gary, this is a situation where Ash had a friend and a life before he met Pikachu. Ash was a different person almost before Pikachu really got to know him. Ash has got this friend, rival, whatever that he and Gary are, and this history that Pikachu knows nothing about. And Gary is human. This is human interaction and human social hierarchy, like not just Ash's past, but Ash's present, how he relates to other human beings. Like this is about two boys and their internal issues and all that existed and rose to a peak before Pikachu even entered the picture. And I think Ash recognizes that this is something he needs to face without Pikachu, without Brock and Misty holding his hand. Like, he already knows he and Pikachu are a great team, tough to beat, Gary said so himself. But this is about something else. And Pikachu doesn't really have a place in it. Which is always a really interesting moment because so much of Ash's life is wrapped up in Pikachu. It's always a little jarring and then again fascinating to have a moment where it's like no this is a part of my life that is separate and even Pikachu can't touch it so again just imagine how Ash convinced Pikachu to go along with this but he must have because Pikachu's on the sidelines waving a flag like you go get him babe <laughs> but let's turn to Gary for a moment looking all serious on his side of the field I have been waiting for over five years to go full nerd town on Gary. Here, Gary in this moment, so buckle up. His cheerleaders are back. Yes, over the last couple episodes, Gary seems to have reverted back to form. And I'm not sure what that means. Like, it could be he's still trying to find himself, testing out the old mask to see how it does or doesn't fit. I wonder, too... If he called the girls and was like, hey, ladies, remember me? I'm going to be competing in Johto. Want to come along? Or if the girls called him and were like, oh, Gary, can we come? Can we cheer you on to victory? And the more I think about it, the more I fall in love with the later theory. Because let's face it, Gary doesn't have game. That kid can barely handle acting like a human being on a good day. I'm guessing that he only got the cheerleaders and the chauffeur in the beginning because he's the grandson of Professor Oak. He's talented. He's going places. He was like some hyper-talented kid suddenly surrounded by a gang of leechers. People, you know, who want to be in the posse because then they can ride the fame train too sort of thing. We see this happen all the time with child stars. A gaggle of people, even, you know, grown adults, you know circling around and fawning over them and like yes to everything they say because they all want something and gary's the grandson of a famous famous professor like professor oak is world famous all gary had to do was say i think i want to train pokemon and he has access to everything all the knowledge world-class mentor in his family all the best pokemon or at least people would think 
he's got all the talent and opportunity, famous professor backing him up, like, you know, that Gary's gonna go places. Let's get in on that from the ground floor. But none of these people are his friends. And he's really only important so long as he's the best. And as long as he keeps the industry that these people buy into on top. If Ash Ketchum beats him and becomes the new It Kid, Gary loses all of that. And what is he left with? I think that must be part of the journey Gary's been on since losing at Indigo. Possibly since losing to Mewtwo. Because even now, the announcer tells the crowd about, you know, these two boys that are the same age from the same hometown, facing each other in the final rounds. And the announcer reads off Ash's accomplishments that have earned him some recognition, like, you know, some legit fame. And, and Gary? He's the grandson of the famed Professor Oak. Like, that's all you need to say about him. And really, what else has Gary done that the world would recognize as valuable? His training journey the past while, he has nothing tangible to show for it. His entire value to the world at large is his famous grandfather, a reputation that isn't even his. No one sees him for who he is, no one sees him as valuable for who he is right now, only for what he might be in the future because of who his family is. Now, we don't really know what Gary's childhood was like, like, Pokemon Zensho, that manga, had some thoughts, but it's not canon. And you should head on over to my Patreon for thoughts on that, patreon.com slash professionaldork. Like, Gary's childhood, no one else has dug deep into that, and even Zensho wasn't much. But, you know, even without taking those details into account, the basic idea is still there. Gary's parents, like, they might be loving they might be dead. We may never know. Because like Ash's dad, they're never on screen or, or mentioned, really. Gary's sister, if she exists in this universe, is never discussed. Like, was Gary raised by his parents or his sister, Professor Oak? Like, I don't think we actually know. Does he crash with the professor when he's in Pallet Town? I don't actually know. Gary is home less than Ash's. Like, Professor Oak clearly cares for his grandson. He is winning all of the grandpa points that Origins Professor just failed to get. But Gary does not give off a really strong vibe of having a home and a family that he feels close to. And that doesn't mean they're not there, or that, you know, there's some awful tragedy in Pelletown or whatever. Like, just how Gary perceives the situation may be different from reality. We just don't see him getting all excited to see his grandpa like Ash gets for his mom. You know, there's not a ton of hugs and exuberance or a sense of coming home, even. It's just a different mood. And I might be projecting a little with Gary here, but I get that feeling a lot. I always feel like my family isn't proud of me and doesn't love me and doesn't really want to see me. And that's not because of them. It, like, like my brother has me over for dinner all the time, and my family and I Skype every week. Like, I know all of that isn't true, but I feel it. And there's a part of me sometimes that sees all my younger siblings having careers and promotions and babies while I'm working, you know, in my underwear factory and running a podcast, and I think they must be disappointed in me. I must be doing something wrong. I need to prove that I'm good enough, or they'll 
I don't know. All move on without me. I don't know. None of that is true. This is my own issue. And luckily, I can kind of realize that about myself now. But, you know, looking at 10-year-old Gary, whose whole identity and future is constantly associated with who his grandpa is, what if he turns out to not be good with Pokemon? What if he turns out to not be as smart? If he becomes a researcher, a scholar, he'll never be more than a copy of the great Professor Oak, a shadow. He'll always be a disappointment. He's got to do something else to, to be memorable, to be known for, like, say, a Pokemon master. But what if he's not good at that? Then he's nobody. So he's got to be the best. He's got to keep everyone's eyes on him. He's got to prove to the world and to his friends and his grandpa that he is good enough to be wanted and needed and loved. Like, I can see him being terrified that if he goes out on that journey and he sucks, or, or even is just average, he'll get forgotten by the wayside, even by the people who are close to him. Because as arrogant as Gary was in the beginning, I don't think it took him that long to figure out that none of those people would be hanging out with him if he weren't the famous Oak's grandson, and they wouldn't keep following him if he was just a normal, average trainer. Whatever the situation with Gary's parents and how he feels about his place in his family and with his friends, at the very least, he's in a weird situation for a young kid with, you know, having the fame of his grandfather's reputation ruling his sense of self-worth. Now compound that with Ash Ketchum, because Ash knows exactly what he wants to be in life, and Ash tells everyone that he loves Pokemon and he's going to be the greatest Pokemon master, the very best, like no one ever was. And it's such a bold statement, so convicted, like that's a dream that gets attention, even if, you know, Ash is normal. He's not the town's golden boy. No one's watching him and anticipating, like, when is he finally gonna go on his journey and do this town proud? Like, we remember when he left, no one cared. His mom and a couple neighborhoods with, you know, noisemakers. And a tambourine. His mom believes in him, that's enough. But Gary, Gary grows up with Ash, and he can see Ash's drive, and that Ash loves Pokemon and that Ash is dedicated to achieving the things he wants in life. Like, Ash is determined enough to, like, get it through sheer stubbornness. And that Ash maybe has a talent for dealing with or understanding Pokémon. And even in Ash's, you know, somewhat perpetual state of fail that he was living in for that first Indigo League, he loves what he does. Whatever Ash is you know, doing whatever he decides is worth his time. He loves with his full heart and he's happy. So how easy do you think it might be for an anxious, paranoid child who may be worrying that if they're not perfect, if they're not the best, they might let everyone down or not be as wanted? And who maybe because of that constant drive to, you know, be a bit of a perfectionist and be the best is not enjoying everything they're doing quite as much as carefree Ash Ketchum. How easy do you think it might be to fall into patterns of bullying, to start putting Ash down and telling him he's a loser, he's not smart enough, he'll never be a Pokemon master? Because if Ash becomes a Pokemon master, the world's greatest, the pride of Pallet Town, 
who's going to care about Gary? And then keep this in mind, Professor Oak, he knows Ash. They met once, when they were both kids, and became great friends. There was a whole movie with a Celebi about it. And whether Oak remembers or thinks this was a dream is kind of irrelevant, because, you know, there's that part where Ash looks a lot like that kid I once met or who was in that really vivid dream. Professor Oak is going to be drawn to Ash either way. They have a connection. And even if they never acknowledge the time travel thing, they are friends, and part of their relationship is not just mentor-student, but is on a peer level. So not only are Ash and Delia important to the professor, but there's a special connection to Ash, and the professor takes personal interest in how Ash does on his journey, and, and as Ash's journey progresses, the professor becomes super close and cuddly with Muck and the other Pokémon, and does, like, tea and poetry with Kingler, and it's Ash's Bulbasaur that's basically running the corral and, and helping with the research, if Gary is feeling any way insecure in his life and threatened by Ash, then that probably doesn't help. So here he is, at the Silver Conference. He's trained and studied and pushed himself to be ridiculously good at this Pokémon training job, and the only thing anyone can say about him is that his grandfather is famous. And then Gary knows his grandfather is rooting for Ash equally as much as he's rooting for Gary. And as we'll see a little later, Professor Oak is kind of taking credit for some of Ash's Pokemon strength. <laughs> Ash has accolades, trophies, and friends in the wings. Gary has some cheerleaders who don't really care about him as a person. And if he loses here, he will stop being important to all these people. He won't just have lost he will be a loser. Those are the stakes for Gary in this match. He's been having a bit of an existential crisis, a journey of personal growth, and he's become aware of some of this, I think, and he's about to face losing everything, and also discovering that maybe his whole life is fragile glass that can be shattered with one match, that everything he's worked for and everything he thought he wanted and everything he is is nothing. I'm sure he's afraid that if he loses here, he will become the biggest nobody in the world and no one will care about him. After all, even Ash went off and got himself a new best friend. Ash is fighting here to prove that he's not what Gary says he is, that he can face his past, he can surpass his obstacles, he can move past his intense feelings and fight professionally and honorably and stand up tall and most of all, prove he's not a loser in either sense of the word. But it's mind-blowing the first time you realize how badly Gary is fighting to prove the same thing. As the match gets started, um, they set up a rock field and decide that Gary's gonna throw the first Pokeball. And there's this voice in the crowd. It might be dub only, like it's just chatter, but someone says like, Go, Gary! I went to school with Gary, you know. <laughs> just... A proves my point, people name dropping. But B, how did you go to school with Gary and not Ash too? <laughs> like, they left the same year. How big do you think Pallet Town is that they have multiple elementary schools? What, did Gary bust into prep school in Viridian City? What is this? Wait, wait. I'm having a thought. 
Okay, the prep school thing might actually hold water, but what if, like a long, long time ago, I had a thought, like, what if Gary's actually younger than Ash? Because, you know, while he gives off the, I'm older than you, so I do what I want vibe, if Ash's birthday is in May, like, you know, he waited 10 years, 10 months, and 10 days to go on that Pokemon journey, Gary can only be older by about a month. Because, you know, much more than that, and he would have left on his journey a year earlier, right? Like, theoretically, anyway. I guess there's no rule that he'd have to go if he wanted to wait around. And and as always, we're not entirely sure just how canon that little factoid is. <laughs> Certainly, they've not referenced it in the series. <laughs> but, you know, given the rivalry thing... You know, if Gary got a chance to go a year early, get a head start on Ash, and come home periodically to be like, look at me, I have Pokemon and you don't, yeah, like he totally would. So if that birth date is canon, however time works in this world, the statistics say that Gary would then be more likely to be younger than Ash than older. And even if the birth date isn't canon exactly, there is nowhere in series that actually states which of these two boys is older than the other? Like, what if Gary's significantly younger? Like, almost that entire 10 months and 10 days. Like, young enough that they're both 10 on April 1st, but Gary is in a different grade. That is something to think about. A small thing to change the entire dynamic. But anyway, uh, Gary has first throw, and he chooses Nidoqueen. We've seen this Pokemon before. It fought a Mewtwo, badly. Um, Ash sends out Tauros, and while Tauros does show off a few of its skills, it's defeated and fainted before a full minute is up. So, I thought that was an odd choice to begin with. Like, whatever strategy Ash had going there, it is now busted up. That that was a stinker of an opening move. And I'm sure Pikachu is like, The freak, Ash! You kicked me off and now you just wasted a slot? What's wrong with you? But Ash keeps his game face on, like, Not bad, Gary. Just a one-hit KO, not bad. Ash's next uh, choice is Heracross, and Gary immediately switches to Magmar. No punches thrown in this match. None whatsoever. In this battle, man, Heracross dodges a flamethrower, uh, gets in really good fury swipes, and then tosses Magmar into the air. But after that, man, he takes Fire Blast head on, and then crushed up against a rock with Fire Blast still burning away, Magmar uses flamethrower right in Heracross's face. Like, Heracross is on fire. But Ash is like, now's the time! <laughs> Blow the flames away! And it does. Heracross uses its wings to put out the fire, and, and it's ready to keep fighting. I am two levels of impressed. Like, good on you, Ash, teaching the bug type how to deal with fire attacks. We were not expecting that. But also, Heracross just blew the flames away. Again, it was on fire. A and then Heracross can break through Flamethrower with Megahorn. And this thing is over. Magmar's down. Megahorn is a powerful attack, so. Well, hey, back to even. 
And the next scene, Ash is like, see, Gary, my Pokemon are strong enough to win, even at a disadvantage. And Gary, <laughs> this is why I love him. He's just got this look. <laughs> and then, like, without changing expression or blinking, just recalls the Pokeball, like, he says nothing and moves as little as possible, but somehow says so much. <laughs> uh, well, Gary's next Pokemon is important. He kisses the Pokeball, so you know that's the case. It's Blastoise. And while in the dub, Brock acts like we've heard this before, I think this is actually the first confirmation we had that Gary's starter Pokemon was Squirtle, right? I'm pretty sure. Maybe it got suggested through Pokemon Yellow. But whatever it is the case, this is his starter all grown up and evolved into Blastoise. And that's where the match cuts it, Heracross versus Blastoise. We'll have to wait for the next episode to see how this match concludes. I'm just so happy, like, to get to Gary's, you know, big episodes. Because there's so much going on with that kid. Like, it's just so full of things and to talk about. And watching Gary, like, turn into a pretty decent person <laughs> over the last season... And now he's back to being his jerky self. Like, Ash can get broody sometimes and keep a part of him closed off, especially around people. We, we've sometimes talked about that. But for the most part, he's pretty open and straightforward and, you know, keeps things simple. If he's angry, he says, I'm angry. If he's hungry, he says he's hungry. Like, usually if Ash you know, gets quiet or starts keeping things to himself, it's a sign that something's really, really wrong with him. But for Gary, that's like his natural state. So, you know, there's always something going on with him. We just never know. So for now, let's get to Fantasy Pokemon League. Where are we with that? We have quite a lot of random points to flip coins for today. Uh, we had one person kissing a Pokeball. We had three Wobbuffet pops out of his Pokeballs. And a one Mr. Good Show cameo. So let's flip for them. First is Wobbuffet's first appearance. It is Heads for Evan. Um, and then Wobbuffet showed up again later in that scene. He might not have actually gone back into his Pokeball in the interim, but I'm going to count it because I love giving out points. So... It is a Tails for Logan. Okay, then after that came Mr. Goodshow. And there's Heads for Evan. We're going to flip for Wobbuffet's third appearance. Tails. Tails to Logan. And finally, Gary kissing the Pokeball. And it is Heads. Okay, and then for non-random points, Harrison fought a battle that he then won, so that's two points for Evan. And then Logan drafted Ash and Gary, who uh, both appeared in a Pokemon battle. Neither of them have won yet, so no bonus points yet. But they each get a point for their presence in the battle, so that's two. Um, and then Ash had a scene with a Magikarp, so bonus fishy points. So Logan got three points plus two random for a total of five. 
Evan had two battle points plus three random ones for a total of five. So they came out tied today. And that makes the ongoing tally uh, Team Evan with 13 points. Team Logan with 26. We'll see where things shake down tomorrow. You can follow the show and all the holiday marathon fun by visiting our blog page, pcappypodcast.blogspot.com. You can also find us on Facebook or Twitter at pcappypodcast. You can send a comment to pcappypodcast at gmail.com. Or as always, subscribe and listen to us on iTunes, Zune, wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for listening. This has been Pcappy Podcast. Gotta catch them all.